Hey, thanks for tuning in to The O Word, where I, Sarah Quinata, and topic experts take a deep dive into the treatment and perception of older adults across the world and cultures. Join me on my journey to learn about the 700 plus million older adults across the world, one location and culture at a time. Grab your passport and let's go. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is my very first episode of The O Word. In case you can't tell by my voice, I am super excited to bring this content to you. A quick bit about myself is that I'm currently a senior at the University of Nebraska Omaha, and I graduate this May with my bachelor's in gerontology. My area of specialization is healthy aging and recreation. I created this podcast because first and foremost, I am such a curious person. I really wanted to learn about others and their individual experiences with older adults and aging, so I'll be talking to a variety of people from a lot of different fields. My first guest is a recreational therapist located in Ontario, Canada. Ashley Dipchan specializes in mental health promotion and chronic disease prevention and management. Ashley also runs Rec Savvy, which is a company with the goal of providing individuals with fully accessible live and immersive recreation program from one's own living room. To check out more, go to recsavvy.org. Without further ado, let's dive into our very first episode. My name is Ashley Dipchan. I am a recreation therapist from Ontario. I got into gerontology about six years ago. I volunteered at an adult day program where seniors would go to to enjoy the recreational and leisure day in a more of a structured setting. And I volunteered there and I felt a passion and working with older adults. And so I've also worked in hospital settings and community settings in group homes with um, aging adults with developmental disabilities and mental health disorders. I've worked with individuals in their own homes and as a private TR, that's what my focus is on helping older adults be functional and live their healthiest while staying at home. So avoiding long-term care homes and retirement homes as long as possible. I've also worked in both of those settings and they, they have their perks, but my passion is helping older adults live in their own homes as long as possible, as healthy as possible. I love that. It sounds like you have a lot of experience in different areas. For our listeners who don't know, could you just kind of quickly explain what recreation therapy is? Yeah, recreation therapy. So we help individuals who usually have a chronic disorder or any kind of barrier that prevents them from living a healthy life full of recreation and leisure, which is just anything we do in our downtime. So we all go to work. Most of us go to work um, or school or have some sort of thing to fill our days, but in our downtime, it, it would be our recreation. And what we do it, with recreation therapists is we help individuals grow in their leisure and recreation time. So we usually focus on five domains of well-being. So we help people with their physical health, their emotional health, their cognitive health, their social health. And then we also help individuals with their spiritual health as well. And spiritual health is not really a religious look that we encourage, but our connection with ourselves and the world around us. 
Thank you. That was a really good explanation. So I know you mentioned that you got involved in gerontology about six years ago. What was your perception of older adults before you were involved in gerontology? You know what? I, I had such a pessimistic view on aging. I thought that once we started to age, like bachelor's did decline in our physical mental health, everything's just declining. But you know what? I, I have been proven wrong. Science has proven me wrong. Um, working in the field has proven me wrong, which I'm so happy to talk about. Because um, what changed my mind is the research I've been seeing and the interventions I've been doing that revolve around neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is that we could actually grow certain parts of our brain and through practicing skills, we could, we have total power over growing our hippocampus, which is our memory centers, as well as our frontal and our parietal lobes. And so what I've learned now is that we have the capacity to, even though aging adults, to have cognitive abilities that were better than when we were younger, if we practice, practice those skills. And as well as our bodies, our joints and muscles could also be like, we could be stronger than we ever had been as an aging adult. It depends on the lifestyles we choose. So would you say since learning these things, your perception on aging has changed? Totally. I am looking forward to aging because it's, you, we, it's just so much opportunity to be, be, be better and to acquire memories that just make us better people. I totally agree with that. Um, so I know you mentioned you've kind of worked in a lot of different settings with older adults. Were any of those facilities government run or were they mostly private? Um, a lot of them are all government run. Some were private, but about 70% of the places I worked with were government run. So what has your experience been working in private versus working in a public setting? I find that in private settings, there's a lot more funding. Uh, almost quadruple the amount of funding in the private sector. And with the government sector, there, there is a lot of funding in Canada as well. And there, the government does provide a lot of subsidies, but private sector is probably dominating, I find, in terms of services and the um, monetary funding is just so much more. <laughs> Absolutely. I find the, the same thing in the United States. So um, you mentioned that, you know, your government provides some subsidies. What are some assistance programs that you know of that are provided by your government for older adults? Well, you know what? We have this uh, geriatric hospital that I work with and the government for in any aging adult who have had an injury or fall in their home. This package that they go through is um, it's a workshop they come to about two to four times a week. They meet with a team of professionals, a doctor, a pharmacist, an occupational therapist, a recreation therapist, a physiotherapist, just the whole team. And it's about a $10,000 package um, in terms of just the medical care that's being provided. And the government provides that for free at this geriatric hospital, which I think is phenomenal. The only issue is that there's just a long, long wait list. I've never heard of that before. That seems like it would be really helpful. Speaking of the waitlist, so us in America, something that we see in headlines um, in Canada related to gerontology is the long waitlist to get into long-term care. 
I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, maybe your experiences and the implications that has on older adults. Yeah, you know what, our long-term care is a little flooded and there is a really long wait list for it. I think that gives a lot of people anxiety and our government does realize this. So our government is re really encouraging older adults to engage in a healthy lifestyle so that they can have, live in their own homes for longer. So that seems to be the goal in terms of long-term care because the wait list is just ridiculous. And the amount of services is just not, there's not enough services or service providers for the amount of people that are in need because we're dealing with the baby boomer population right now. And it's a lot of people. So I know you mentioned kind of your passion is helping people stay at home and not necessarily going to long-term care. Can you talk a little bit about how you might do that, um, like strategies or things that you implement? Yeah, exercise programs are like the number one programs I highly recommend. Helping people with balance and fall prevention. So I would literally do a program where I help an individual, we slowly go down and then get back up so that they build in that muscle memory of picking themselves back up instead of falling and then just being stuck and not being able to get 911 or any help. So I do fall prevention programs in homes as well as there is something I recently learned called functional mobility conditioning. So helping older adults utilize all of their, their joints and movements so that they become more functional. And there is this saying where if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So I really focus on neurotraining and using skills, everyday life skills that we need to upkeep. And people practice this depending on the person, if rather they have a dementia or not, like if they, they have dementia, then every single day they're given homework and their caregiver is also recommended to do an intervention with them as well. And then I'll come in once or twice a week. And um, then we have other individuals who maybe two to three times a week, that's what they need. So it's individual to the person, but exercise, every week at least 150 minutes every week minimum <laughs> if an older adult may be struggling like not getting exercise they need or may need access like fall prevention have you noticed there's a big reason why people won't go out and get those services that they need well you know what pre-covid i found that a lot of people they just did not know about the services that were out there and they didn't they um also, the funding was a concern, too, for a lot of folks. So I think what our government really needs to be doing and what they started to do, especially with that initiative at the geriatric hospital, is having a bundle of services in one spot for older adults to access because they don't really have the tech skills like you or myself to Google and find a service or even know what's out there. So I think the just the lack of education of knowing what's out there and also access to these services as well. Because where I live in the city, there's a bunch of these services, but then more north or away from the city we go, it's very slim. It's very, um, it's unregulated as well. 
So I think we just need more access and reaching those individuals as well. Are there a lot of people going into recreation therapy where you live or is it still kind of a newer field? I find that a lot of people are getting into recreation therapy now, especially with the baby boomer population needing that help as well. So yeah, there is a very high competition for recreation therapy and there is an even bigger demand for private TR services. So I know that in America, it can sometimes be a situation where therapeutic recreation is something that is an afterthought, especially with funding. If they have to choose other things, that's going to be the thing that goes off the table. Is that something that you notice living in Canada? Yeah, I noticed that it's just, it's not as recognized, especially with occupational therapy out there. And a lot of people confuse the two. But, you know, recreation therapy is a wonderful preventative health strategy to keep people their healthiest in a fun and expressive manner. And it's really, we, we help people provide more meaning in their life. And I think that people are just so into a workaholic mode that they don't take in that we could actually gain a lot of skills through play and in our recreation time and through spending time with others and social bonding. So related to that, how has COVID impacted your ability to help people? Well, the struggle with COVID is now trying to implement in-person services online. And the difficult part with that is most aging adults don't have access to technology the way that it that COVID would best serve like um because I worked at a retirement home and about out of 120 individuals there only about 15 knew how to use an iPad so running programs was just very difficult because we could help the 15 people no problem with programs but then helping the the other 105 individuals is a lot harder. And then same going into the community is um, there people in the community don't have the tech skills to access a lot of services that are now virtual. COVID has been really hard. It's been keeping a lot of people isolated, especially if they don't know how to use technology. But it's been wonderful for the people who do have access to technology. Can you give an example of something that you would do with someone who you do, who does have access to, let's say, an iPad? Yeah, I would do either a sit and sit program. So they stay in their home. They have, will go through exercises that will help that individual, um, even doing brain stimulation games over Zoom. Like, for example, I would do, there's a thing called Guess the Song. So I'll play a song from their era and they, they'll guess what it is. We could even dance with the song. It's very interactive and very playful, even though it's online and um, even reminiscing. So I'll have a, a, like a book or some sort of prop and ask them something about their history. Like, for example, what was one that I did in the past was for a Hanukkah, I was with a group and I showed them a dreidel and we went around and everyone with, cause this particular group, they were, they were Jewish and they, we went around and we got, we told stories. They told me stories about in their days playing with the dreidel 
foods that they made around the time of Hanukkah. So reminiscing with them, exercises. The, the structure of recreation therapy, the great thing is there's just not a one size fit all model. It's really individualized to that person and what they enjoy and just using, using techniques to bring about and interact and stimulate the brain. I love that. Do you think that you will continue using technology post COVID when it's, you know, all over? Oh, totally. Yeah. Because I found that pre COVID, I was kind of restricted to the GTA, the greater Toronto area. And also I'd have to increase my, the pricing of my services to accommodate for traveling. But now I could actually give a reduced rate to people who couldn't to where money was a barrier I could provide a reduced rate as well as access more individuals across Canada as well who need these services that's awesome so I like to end all my podcasts with asking the question if you could tell the general public anything about older adults what would you tell them I would tell them to really look forward to aging because not only do we have more freedom emotionally because as we age, we calm down more. It's been proven. We also have the opportunity to grow our skills and be functionally better than we were when we were younger. So there's nothing, absolutely nothing to be afraid of when it comes to aging. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The O Word. Don't forget to check in and call on your older adult friends. Have a wonderful rest of your day.